Hello humans, hello humans. It's the uh, 29th, Memorial Day. And it's probably like, eh, maybe it's a little after 8. Not very much after. Out in the greenhouse doing some weeding. Got to do a lot, a lot of weed whacking and that kind of stuff today. Get caught up. Anyway, was uh, having some coffee as as per usual. Coffee is good stuff. Um, anyway, um, we're still working on all of our time stuff here, all of the time experiments, and those will go on for uh, some period, rest of this year, and probably most of next. Just in what we've got sketched out. And uh, having some uh, positive results in it. And then uh, following up on some of the imp uh, implications. So, um, if we acknowledge that in our uh, human history in the past, 6, 7, 10, 12,000 years back, we find very advanced stuff that we can't duplicate today, which is the truth. And if we find further stuff that's like way, way, way old, maybe 100,000 years old, like all the megalithic um, structures, you know, the 200-ton uh, single slab chunks of uh, rock uh, that have been uh, machined and just like left in place, uh, if we acknowledge that all this stuff is real, then we can say, okay, that, that plots with uh, this idea of a cycle, of a... Um, which, you know, the I'll get back to that in a minute. The CIA and all these other people have identified with these catastrophic earth changes cycles, right? Uh, they see, uh, all right, so um, they see those cycles as actually being like waveforms within a linear progression. Uh, so that you're just going along in a straight, uh, more or less in a straight line upward or, or at an angle upward. And then these waves of stuff come through um, and you have these periodic catastrophes on the planet. Now, another way to look at this is that the color, uh, that the Yuga system is accurate, that we go through these cycles that are based on this um, more or less 24 to 26,000 year cycle, right? And uh, within there, we will uh, get closer to the uh, galactic center. This is a, a function of the movement of our solar system uh, around the outer edge in our particular uh, minor spiral arm of the galaxy, but around the outer edge of the galaxy. But there is an apparent, because we rise and fall relative to the um, plane of the galaxy in our motion. So if we think of the, um, of the galaxy as a plate and um, uh, the solar system is like, uh, a comet dragging all of the planets. Our sun is like a comet dragging all of the planets. Uh, uh, we're, and we're uh, zipping around on the outer edge of the plate. It will take us uh, 220 million years to go around the edge of that plate and come back to the same point on the edge of that plate. Okay, but we don't travel in a straight line. Our solar system rises above the edges of the plate and then comes back down towards the edge of the plate and then drops down below the edge of the plate and then rises back up towards the edge of the plate. So we go in a wave-like fashion around the edge, okay? 
as we do so, it is our rising and falling relative to the edge of the plate uh, that presents us with more of the emanations that come from the galactic center. So the density of the galaxy itself screens out energies to the outer edge of the plate. Uh, and if you're out on one of the outer edges, like we are, then the galaxy itself is screening out the uh, emanations of um, uh, energy from the galactic center. It's, it's being absorbed by all the material between us and galactic center. Okay, so um, as we rise above the plate, there's less, less planets and other uh, material between us and galactic center, and we get more of the radiation. And so that's what's happening. So you can think of the uh, yuga progression as the, uh, the rise up over the galactic plate uh, to a maximum point uh, where your angle of incidence relative to the galactic center has fewer uh, items between you and galactic center. And then your um, planetary system uh, goes back down towards the edge of the plate and there's more material between you and the galactic center, which means you get less of those emanations, less of that radiation. Okay, so that is actually the, um, the physical movement of our solar system that causes the yugas. It's simply the rising above the plate and then falling back down on this 220 million year uh, passage around the edge back to the same point on the edge of the galaxy. And that'll actually never occur because everything is expanding. So as we pass one point, we'll never ever be able to come back to the same point in the galaxy's edge because it, it will have expanded in those 220 uh, million years. Uh, and that edge will have been moved. And so the galaxy itself will be different. And so we'll never ever come back uh, to anything that um, had existed in the past. This is a key aspect of time that uh, is irreversibility. Okay, it cannot be reversed. And this is a necessary component of um, uh, universe. It's a necessary component of how our universe, our materium operates. Uh, it means that time travel as a physical corporeal entity shoving yourself through time is not possible and will never be possible. There are many other things we can do with time, but we're not going to be able to go back and to you know um, 1885 and and uh, uh, shoot bullets at uh, what was the guy's name Biff something. Anyway, uh, it just is not not happening. It for many 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 different reasons it can't happen. Anyway, though, so uh, the rising up and down of our solar system relative to the edge of the plate provides us with more of the emanations for the, um, from the galactic center. These emanations are demonstrably tied to the total amount of intelligence and uh, drive and perception available to humans. So we see that our great civilizations rise, come into existence, as our solar system is rising to an oblique angle relative to galactic center, getting more of those emanations. And these uh, we, we conversely go into the descending side of the cycle as we come back down to the plate and great civilizations fall and the overall intelligence available to humans falls. These cycles are 26,000 years. It's actually 25,000 years and change, but at the moment, and even that amount changes. So uh, as the galactic plane expands, 
that alters the length of our great year. And so as we go forward over time, we can ex uh, over uh, duration, we can expect that the um, length of the great year will keep expanding. Uh, such that maybe by the time we come back to uh, go all the way around in 22 uh, million years and, or excuse me, 220 million years and we come back to this point or close to it, maybe by that point, maybe our great year will be, you know, 29,000 years long or, or 30,000 years long. It will change. Um, so all of this stuff is necessary that change can exist here. And um, I can get into some of the other aspects of of the yugas and time and what it does for us. But here's the thing. Um, it means uh, that whether we conceive of it as uh, time energy or some other form of radiation emanating from the galactic center, it means that we do not live in a fixed environment. And therefore, time actually changes. And since time itself... Uh, is dynamic, and we perceive it um, uh, in various different ways at different points in our perception of it, then it means that it is variant to the point that it uh, negates our entire physics. Okay, so all of our physics that um, has been in place since the 1920s, uh, installed by the Kazarian Mafia around the ideas of Einstein, or at least the ideas that he um, plagiarized and, and uh, decided to promulgate, um, all of that physics is incorrect because it deals with time as a static, uh, non-variant dimension like distance. And then that physics went to the trouble of making distance weird and, and funky by saying it could be curved and uh, you would have this ability to have curved space slash time and end up with uh, faster than light uh, travel, etc., 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 with all these other weird-ass ideas, none of which are factual. It's all an illusion, and this illusion derives from the fact that Einstein was a materialist and took all of his ideas from the Kali Yuga, where everything is grit, where everything is, is based in the... Um, uh, the grit of our materium, the the little minutia and rocks and shit, okay? That's not how the materium works, but we are incapable, most of us are incapable of understanding that during the period of the time of Kali Yuga because we don't have a whole lot of the intelligence stuff coming in from the universe. Now, uh, we note that there are Exceptional beings in every age, exceptional people in every age who have some grasp of some of this stuff. And we see that in our past history, where there were people like Tesla who just knew shit that was um, leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. That they had an understanding that was sometimes difficult for them to communicate, but nonetheless was um, factual enough to be able to make uh, uh, you know, a factual enough understanding of our reality to be able to make all kinds of great inventions. And here we are using uh, the aspects of the understanding of electricity and so forth that was derived from Tesla's work to do this very recording and to listen to it. And so that we know that there, that Tesla's understanding was much more accurate than the other people around him, Edison, etc., etc. But nonetheless, here we are with people in the 1920s competing 
to uh, deliver um, electricity. So they were like compelled by time to deliver to humanity an understanding of electricities and how to use them. Okay. And there were many people doing that. They've been doing it since like the 1830s. And so it is as though there is a time pressure on brains within humanity, subsets of humanity, to produce certain things at certain points in our journey um, through the yugas. And so these are predictable. So we can also say that it is likely that at the same point in the other side, on the descending side of um, uh, the in the drop back down to the, to the edge of the plate, uh, at the descending side of the yugas, uh, in the Bronze Age, at approximately 325 years before the introduction of the Kali Yuga, that was probably when we stopped having the ability to do things with electricity. And it, it probably because our understanding had degraded over the previous thousands of years. And we were still, you know... Um, able to keep civilization together and had empires and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, but we were, we were losing the ability to create new devices and um, uh, expand our awareness. That expansion is clearly evident in our current time. So we are clearly on an upward swing within the uh, Bronze Age. And uh, we've got all different kinds of evidences to being able to plot exactly where we are uh, relative to the autumnal and um, uh, uh, vernal equinox, um, be between the spring and the autumn equinox, relative to galactic center and the precession. And uh, various different Vedic astrology. Okay, so Vedic astrology is astrology that comes down to us where it is sidereal astrology and not geocentric. So it is... Um, uh, astrology that does not take Earth as the center, but deals with astrology from the viewpoint of the sun. From our sun as it's traveling around in the edge of the galaxy, and this comes much closer to actually uh, capturing the effects that we see, and we, you know, the astrological effects that are assigned to various different uh, uh, signs and and um, uh, uh, other abstractions in the night skies, basically, right? And other planets. So we say Mars is a planet of war and all this kind of stuff. And we're assigning qualities and attributes of time to these objects that we use to mark time. So it's not so much that uh, Aries slash Mars is warlike. It is that when we are in those um, positions, uh, and we mark them with these planets and stuff, especially relative to the Kali Yuga, which is the time we've just come from, uh, we find that we are in con uh, uh, points of contention and war. Okay, and it has very little to do with um, the nature of the planets themselves or any of that. We are reading and applying abstractions to those. To, so it'd be like saying that, oh, from you know 10 o'clock in the morning until... 2.15 every day here, that's the time of war, you know. So we assign a, a, a quality to a specific numeric reference. We don't, but it's in essence the same, assigning those qualities to uh, astrology. And so astrology must change as we go forward because humanity will change. So a thousand years from now, we will be far less warlike than we are now. And um, that war is a remnant of the 
uh, impact of the Kali Yuga and the uh, loss of intelligence that pits us one against another. And so a thousand years from now, there, we won't have the same kind of social structures that would provide us for warlike behavior. Thus, we will still have the astrology. We'll still have Mars up there. We'll still have the constellations. We'll still have, you know, um, the signs, uh, you know, Aries, Libra, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, we'll, but we'll have to change the um, assigned uh, uh, human perceptive qualities to them uh, because we will have changed. Our understanding of things will have changed. We will be further along in the virtuous cycle of this particular Bronze Age, that is the rising cycle, getting more energy from the galactic center, and uh, thus that level of our aspect or our relationship to change uh, will, or to time, will have to change to reflect the fact that it has changed. So we'll have to codify it. Um, so the, all this is all quite, quite fascinating, right? And uh, maybe in a thousand years from now, it'll be far less necessary that we have people to do astrology because maybe everybody will be um, so much more advanced that even the normies will be able to tune in to the flow of time for that particular day uh, or, you know, and feel it uh, even though they won't necessarily know which star we would use or, or constellation to uh, tag it, so to speak. Because, you know, those things don't actually cause any of these mm, sensations or perceptions at time. They're merely the um, uh, the coat, coat rack that we, we hang that on and peg it to. So that when we go back to that time again, we can say, oh, oh maybe this is going to occur. Now, it, it does occur over uh, decades and centuries that we get back into the same kinds of energies at various different points, but these are isolated to the various yugas as we go forward. That is to say that um, w when we next come back to alignments um, 30 and 40 years from now, uh, relative to some particular planet's alignment, we will find that the energies do not reflect those that we had 30 and 40 years back uh, when that occurred. So those energies that caused uh, World War I and World War II, in my opinion, cannot be invoked now to cause World War III. We may get real close, it may scare everybody, but uh, the energy isn't there. We've moved on. And those are clearly an aspect of the Kali Yuga, and they're also clearly an aspect that the Kazarian Mafia is attempting to preserve. So, in my understanding, the Kazarian Mafia um, encoded in, surrounded by, and inculcated into um, the structure and uh, systemization of Judaism, not, not the, the content, but the structure, right, the form, because all the Kazarian Mafia are Satanists. Um, but what they're attempting to do is to use magic to hold us back in time where they have control, because these people were dominant um, during the Kali Yuga when the conditions favored uh, their 
ability to exploit other humans. Conditions don't favor that ability to exploit now and are going to do so less as we go forward in our virtuous uh, part of the um, Bronze Age here. And these people are basically losing it and freaking out. So, in my opinion, this is a... Mm, the period of time we're going through this uh, culture war and all of this, even so much as... Um, Mao Zedong's, uh, you know, cultural revolution, uh, even the World War One and World War Two, are all artifacts of the position that humanity found itself in um, uh, relative to the yugas and the energies that were available to us, and that we're getting uh, more bursts of energy or or more energy from the uh, galactic center available to us as uh, the inclination of our uh, rising arc around the edge of the plate of um, the galaxy increases. And so there was a, a time in like, maybe it was 2001 or 2002 when we were doing the uh, reports and I started getting the uh, data sets that were later on characterized as strange energies from space, okay? And it didn't make a whole lot of sense as uh, as it started forming out. It was just discussing energy. It wasn't really light. It wasn't really um, x-rays. So it wasn't energy discussed at that level of the frequency of the energy, but that it was basically saying that energy was going to uh, come down to Earth that will, was going to alter and affect uh, humanity and other life forms. And we started seeing it. Okay, we started seeing the... Um, uh, the extinction of certain life forms, supposedly, we don't know that they've really actually gone extinct, but nonetheless, um, the claimed extinction of certain life forms here on the planet, the alteration of biosphere, and all of this stuff that was being um, uh, claimed by the Wefarians as being uh, caused by climate change. Uh, climate crisis, all of that kind of stuff, right? Which, of course, we know is horseshit. Um, Earth has had, they're freaking out right now because they were born, you see it in uh, Twitter, it's just really funny. They put it in their profile and it says, so-and-so and so-and-so, climate scientist, and I was born when it was 3.34 ppm. And it's like, you know, what they're talking about is the parts per million of carbon dioxide. And so they're freaking out because it's going up towards four, uh, uh, <laughs> 400 parts per million in carbon dioxide. That's 400 parts per million. So it's still point, it's 0 0.004, uh, or no, 0.4% of the atmosphere. So it's like, you know, uh, it doesn't even rise to a half of a percent. Anyway, though, um, and we've been uh, recently, you know, not that many thousands of years back, we had carbon dioxide at 880 parts per million. Um, anyway, and you know, the planet didn't die. In, in fact, carbon dioxide is life, dudes. It causes life. If you reduce it, if we go to carbon neutral, every day you can look and see a carbon neutral planet. All you have to do is look up and see the moon. You don't see a lot of greenery and you don't see a lot of people doing shit. That's because they ain't got carbon and they're not doing shit with it. Anyway, though, so, uh, we get to this point where we're in this, um, uh, evolution of our our time through the uh, virtuous cycle of the Bronze Age, and we were 
in a, um, in my opinion, we are in a, uh, a wave of these new energies. Now, the data sets had described the energies in two different ways, as though there were going to be two tranches or waves of them. Okay, they, it was described as coming in in waves, um, not a steady state or anything like that. It didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't isolate down to, you know, more thunder or anything like that. It was commensurate with the, the first wave was going to be commensurate with the emergence of the rivers in the sky, the lakes in the sky, the great deluges and floods from the sky with all those huge amounts of water being able to be carried up and, and come down in these horrific uh, rain events. Okay, that was associated with one uh, level of the energies from space. Now, at that time, um, it was notable that we were getting into the Wefarians' big push in this transgender, transhumanism uh, you know, chop your dick off for our cult god kind of stuff, right? Um, it was my supposition at that time that the data was basically reflecting that and I could understand or interpret the strange energies from space, at least one of the waves, as having caused uh, the Wefarians, or having caused this the emergence of this trans thing, right? At that time... Uh, it was not visible that it was a um, uh, that there was money behind it for that there was a giant push for it um, uh, in the way that we see it emerging now twenty plus years later. So it 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 wasn't as um, uh, easily discerned that it was uh, not organic, that it was indeed part of their plan. So I'm not sure that that first wave of energy, which was associated with the period of time of the rivers and the lakes and the sky, uh, in any way caused, or, or not caused, but was in any way participatory in the uh, whole thing of the um, alteration of the social order. But at the time I thought, geez, if this is what's going on, this is pretty freaky, you know? And then if the next wave comes in, what's going to happen? Are we all going to turn into golems or gargoyles or something? Um, so anyway, so it is much more likely that that first wave of energy uh, was participating in this upcoming generation, right? Uh, in other words, this energy comes on in, it's going to affect uh, everything in the uh, planet, and it's going to affect our populations down to the level of our intelligence, which means that it must be affecting us at a gamete level, and it probably is coming in and affecting subsequent generations. So the energies that would be coming in in 2000, 2001, 3, 5, 7, etc., are going to have effects on the on the kids that are being conceived and born in that period of time, even as well as us that are existent. But since we're there, we're much more dense and set in our energetic ways, it would be these new life forms that would be much more representational of those energies coming in. And so we'll see what those energies are going to produce. Uh, I actually don't think they produce all of the trans and all of that kind of shit. I think that that is a... Um, uh, the Kali Yuga people trying to maintain their uh, distorted view of reality uh, that derives from and exists only in the Kali Yuga, and they're just trying to maintain it because that's when they had control and, and they, um, they were the bosses and stuff. So uh, now there was a second wave of energy, and I think that's incoming at this point. 
uh, for a number of different reasons. And so uh, the second wave of energy, I think, is also affecting those people that are existent, but is likely to have the same kind of thing uh, in terms of its uh, more noticeable effect on the subsequent generations that are being conceived of and conceived now and, and born. So over the next few few years, we'll see this um, impact on the uh, those generations that, that come out of this. Now, it's also uh, interesting that these two waves of energy are coincident with the Kazarian's big push for their final um, solution with humanity to kill us all off and get us reduced down to 500 million uh, so that they can keep us as, um, and by the way, that's that comes from the Kali Yuga, the whole 500 million thing. And so these guys are, um, they're just desperate to like freeze time. And we know how that's going to work out for them. It just ain't. Um, anyway, interesting though about the uh, progression of uh, human intelligence relative to the understanding of energies and so on. So in the Kali Yuga, we're all so dense, all we can understand is how to, you know, rub two sticks together and create fire. Although we've got, you know, um, plans for windmills and can figure out all of this, we can't figure out what to do with the energy and transmit it and this kind of thing. We have no understanding of the finer nature and so on. Now, as we move into our age, we're dealing with electricities, then we could project that that this is um, part of the virtuous cycle and that a thousand years from now we'll be dealing with energy that is uh, remarkably different than what we're dealing with now. Because look at how different it is from the day of uh, early electricity, which is now uh, from, you know, people with oxen and horses and, and uh, that kind of a form of, of energy to power their civilization. So anyway, quite um, uh, quite fascinating getting into all of this. The implications on the time stuff are also quite fascinating. I'm, I'm certain now that it's correct that time is a uh, powering uh, element here, uh, or a powering dynamic of our materium, and that we wouldn't be able to understand it until we got to this point. So, you know, I could not have grasped this um, 50 years earlier in my life because there was not the energetic association that would have allowed me to perceive it at this level. And that has less to do with myself than the in, in terms of you know what I know and how much I've read and so on, uh, than it has to do with the uh, overall vibratory state of the universe in which my consciousness is operating, as weird as that may sound. Um, anyway, so we're I'm still pursuing more time experiments and the codification of uh, time aspects here because at the core of all of this is. Uh, what the the people in the who have, who are recording this from the previous Bronze Age, right? So this is information that comes to us thousands of years, and so it comes through the last twelve hundred, the last seventeen hundred years, uh, and stems from the uh, this point in the previous Bronze Age, and they discuss the divine magnetism and how magnetism that is. Uh, Easily understood by clocking a, you know, taking a chunk of metal and, and going walk to a magnet, having them stick together is but one small facet of this. And so I think that, that indeed we're going to find that our UFO buddies are, that two things will be factual about them. That they will be traveling in some form of a device that is magnetically shielded and powered and doesn't need fuel as we understand it. 
and that these guys are probably coming from some place where they are closer to the emanations of the uh, galactic center so that they don't lose as much as we do as, uh, when we come down to the, um, the edge of the plate. Now, that also has a couple of other implications, right? Uh, it would mean that um, if it was factual that indeed human intelligence uh, overall in humanity grows over time and individuals also grow over time relative to when they're born within the yuga cycle, then that would suggest that the emanations from the galactic center might be able to be um, captured and stored and, and uh, you might have some kind of a shield from losing them so that you might be able to go through the uh, descending side of the cycle, those 12,000 years, you might be able to shield your planet and not have these negative effects. Uh, so, you know, you'd have a um, different growth curve for your social order. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. And then um, it also means that the other implication is that the, it's pretty certain that we're able to do these kind of things uh, because the, the quality of time changes uh, over... Uh, as we go uh, forward in our progression here, and we perceive those quality changes and can see them in ourselves as tool or, or as um, indicators or antenna of time, and therefore should be able to uh, extract and use these aspects of time as a uh, technology. Uh, just a couple of interesting implications. So I think Cozy Rev was really onto it and that we should probably find ourselves progressing more and more along um, uh, dynamic energy level things here as we go forward. Okay, uh, damn it. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's it for the day. Got to get in and do my baguettes. Putting time to use. Okay, guys, uh, have a good Memorial Day. The beach out here is just jammed with people and doggos. Uh, they're enjoying it, even though it's uh, reasonably cold and windy. So we'll talk to you later. Take time for yourself.